as you become more aware of what clean smells like, clean being fresh air, you become much more aware of the toxins in the environment that you live in. And so how do you start that? Well, you know, wake up every morning and open the window and let fresh air in. Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I'm very excited for today's guest. Today, we have Simon Chang on, and he is the CEO, founder, creator, visionary behind Peak Tees. And I'm so excited to chat with him about the importance of ritual and being mindfulness and meditation and tea and just his whole story of what brought him to create this really incredible company. And for those of you that haven't tried these teas, they are amazing. They are so incredible. I travel with them everywhere now and they have been such a lifesaver with a lot of different things, especially um, with my immunity and just my focus on wanting to get well. I've had kind of a health journey I've been on for the last two years and this has really helped me in the last couple of months since I started using them. So with all that being said, Simon, thank you so much for being on. I can't wait to hear your story and to chat with you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me here, Rosie. It's a, it's a real privilege to be here and I'm so excited to talk. Yeah, me too. So just to get us started for the people that are watching this on YouTube or the people that are listening to the podcast, uh, let us know a little bit about who you are and what inspired you to create Peak Tees. Yeah, absolutely. So this is um, very much part of actually my own health journey. Um, I, I grew up in, I was born and, and grew up in Hong Kong, actually, where tea is a huge part of the, the culture, as well as actually medicinal plants that we incorporate into our cuisine and the soups that we drink every day, different health tonics. So really growing up in a world of medicinal plants, I came to the U.S. when I was in my late teens um, to go to college. I went to Harvard for my undergrad. And pretty much the moment I set foot in the U.S., life became very much about the hustle. Um, people here hustle really hard. I, I got completely went head in, in, immersed head over heels into the, into the rat race, right? So always doing like you know, what, what kind of what I thought was right, what checked the boxes, trying to get like the high paying job in finance um, and, you know, largely doing things that everyone else was doing also um, and not things I particularly enjoyed. So I spent about 10 years in finance working at a hedge fund. During those 10 years, I pretty much got sick every single year with some sort of infection in my um, nose, throat, lungs, right? 
And you know, as, as all people do when they get sick, at least back in those days, I'm actually 40, 42 this year, but you know, back in those days, you go to see the doctor. So I would get antibiotics, I'd get this, that, steroid nasal sprays, and I just, you know, I was brought up to be like, take whatever the doctor prescribes, do it. And I did it, and you know what? I did it for 10 years, and not only did I not um, get better, um, I, both my lungs collapsed. So I had to get operations in both lungs. So I actually have staples in both lungs. And then when I turned 30, um, I was, I was again getting a master's degree in school and, uh, the doctors, this was, I was in, at Stanford in California and the doctors there said, oh, you know, you have sleep apnea, which is a sleeping disorder. And, uh, and of course, you know, doctors being doctors and surgeons being surgeons, they said, you know, the best solution is surgery and it's non-invasive and it's wonderful and it's a high success rate and you're young and it's going to be great. And there's like, you know, no, no, no impact to your life whatsoever. So foolishly, I, I, I walked down that path and did this incredibly invasive surgery on myself, which was completely not needed, by the way, um, that without my knowledge, they put a screw in my jaw. They cut a hole in my jawbone where I was connected to my tongue and pulled that piece of bone out to move my whole tongue forward and then put it in place with a screw. And I wouldn't have known that they did this unless my, until my jawbone got infected. Oh, no. so I, I had left, I was recovered, I was doing my summer internship again in finance, and uh, my jaw started swelling more and more every day, and I called up my doctor, I was like, hey, this is weird, like, why, why is my jaw being affected? They're like, oh, well, you know, we did this thing to your jaw, this little maneuver, and it's infected, so you have to come back. So I literally had to quit my internship. I was on intravenous antibiotics, it was a tube going from my arm into my heart valve. Uh, to pump these very powerful broad spectrum antibiotics, vancomycin. I mean, literally, like these, those antibiotics will kill everything, everything, because they didn't identify the bug, so they had to use these antibiotics. They're so powerful, it would have dissolved a regular vein, hence the need for this catheter. So talking about gut health, I mean, imagine it's just like dropping a nuclear bomb on your gut, right? And the, the, yeah. the ironic thing is that none of this was necessary at all. Like, I didn't need this operation. Most people don't get it. And after that, it was like, you know, it was like kind of God hit, hit me on the head with a hammer. It was like, hey, wake up. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing to yourself? Like, what have you gained from this 10 years of like complete physical, emotional, spiritual abuse that you've unleashed on yourself? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, I made a bunch of money, right? And, and you know, that, that was really for me, like, wow, like, how have I been following all the wrong medical advice, like completely abusing all the things that are important to myself? and really not even getting any fulfillment in exchange. And so that was like the moment that I decided to, to really take my health into my own hands and embark on a healing kind of, um, you know, journey and exploration that continues every day till today. Um, and, and, you know, part of that was going all over the world, finding all these amazing plant doctors, traditional Chinese medicine experts, Ayurveda experts, meditation experts, and really being like very kind of, uh, you know, almost obsessive about going to spend time with them and like unearthing all the insights and the practices and the, and the secrets and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, that really led me to, to, to start PT. That's kind of where we're at today. Yeah, I mean, all of that is, I mean, it resonates with me. And unfortunately, that's kind of the norm. You know, we're, oh, of, the same, we're of the same age bracket so I, I would say that we definitely would never be able to tell by the way oh ditto i was like yeah. what is going on uh well you're older than me i just want to throw that out there but anyway um but this whole idea of of the go 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 the sort of pushing yourself into 
a place of being unhealthy and then finally getting to a place of conventional medicine is no longer working or it's not giving you any answers. And so I, I love that you were able to come to that realization on your own and seek answers from other places, especially with healing modalities like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. For me, Ayurveda and Chinese medicine have been the only two things that have ever restored me back to health. Totally. Yeah, could not agree more. And I think they're the only two things that are actually designed to do that. Whereas a lot of the other treatments in Western medicine are, are very symptomatic and actually so invasive that it leads to depletion just in the recovery process. Yeah. And so for you learning all of these rituals about meditation and mindfulness and the efficacy. I mean, a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast, I'm going to go on a limb and say that they are open to healing modalities of other types. But for you being raised as somebody who it's like, whatever the doctor says, like you're going to do that. What made you drawn to these other healing modalities? Is it were you thinking, it, was this introduced to you at a young age? Was there a familiarity to you? Like, what led you to that? I think it was really having gone down a path that led to a dead end, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the path that I was on. Um, and really, like, being, you know, for lack of a better word, for lack of for being hustled into going under the knife so that a doctor could make a buck, that caused me immense amounts of grief and suffering not to mention physical kind of, you know, harm and a huge detriment to my health. That just made me realize that like, wow, this whole thing is just, it's just like, it's a business. And like, you know, all, all businesses that try to, you know, hustle you, like you have to scrutinize what they're, what they're offering and the products and services. And I never thought about health or doctors or Medicare in that context before. And, and the minute that, that, that I did, it was like, you know, it, it was like, you know, I opened my eyes. And, and, I, and then, you know, the, the natural alternative was to like, hey, what else is out there? It's got to be something. And, and I realized that, hey, I've grown up with a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and I have to go back to that in order to heal myself. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about that and how it was introduced to you at a young age and how tea ritual or drinking tea or different types of tinctures came into the picture and what made you decide to create uh, a foundational um, business for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, my grandfather is, a, he, he turned 105 in December. What? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? Wow. He plays um, bridge every day um, oh. still. Uh, and it's, it's just incredible. He got pneumonia two years ago and he recovered. Yeah, and it's, it's just unbelievable. He eats like, yeah. you know, like a normal, like the way you and I would eat. Like his, his health is just, it's, it's incredible. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of that, oh, I mean, I'm not going to attribute it to it, but, you know, a huge part of his health practice is drinking tea. So after every single meal, he gets up and he stands on a stand, like, a, you know, like it's a bar table. It's not like a standing desk, but it's like a, a high table. And he stands there and makes his tea. And, and this is a thing that takes him like two, three hours. He'll stand there and he'll drink it and he'll talk to you. And his whole belief is that, you know, it's just, it's just, that's part of his, his program. So twice a day, he's, you know, spending about five to six hours standing there drinking tea 
and make it. Now he can't stand like that anymore. So, you know, he just drinks it throughout the day. Um, but he's never been careful about what he's eaten. He's never selectively, you know, avoided, you know, any sort of foods. Uh, he's obviously been, been active, but, you know, that's kind of the environment that I grew up with. And of course, you know, in the, in the cuisine that you have in a lot of kind of, you know, certainly it's very obvious in Indian cultures, there's so much use of spices, of turmeric, of cloves, of, of you know, all these things, um, you know, like mustard seeds, whatever, like all these things that go into a, 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 a curry paste, right? You're eating that every single day um, versus, you know, and the same thing happens in a lot of um, Chinese cuisine is like they use the very, very generous use of, of things like ginger and like all these herbs. There are lots and lots of medicinal plants that, you know, are not as, um, as well known in, in, in the U.S. that are actually part of the, the diet, right? So Hong Kong is very famous for its um, soups and tonics, right? And they're made with different medicinal plants. So roots, bark, you know, fruits, stems, flowers, whatever, right? So ginseng, obviously root, bark is a cinnamon and so forth. But every single day, there would be a different soup that is made either in a restaurant or in somebody's home and that soup is made in accordance with the weather, with the season, um, and with whatever kind of patterns that you might be experiencing on a, on a personal level. So if it's, if it's you know, in the middle of, of February versus the middle of August, you'd be drinking two completely different types of plants, right? One would be to cool you, another one would be to warm you, right? And it goes as fine as it's like, it's, you know, if it's foggy versus like dry out, it's different, right? If you're going through a period of high stress, Versus a period when you're on vacation, it's a whole different, it's a whole different combination of plants. And the idea behind this is really about rebalancing, right? Mm -hmm. It's about not letting kind of imbalances, you know, you can call it inflammation, you can call it whatever, whatever you like, you know, some, some, something that is wrong in your body is about preventing that from getting to the point where it becomes a problem. And, you know, things typically can be detected early on with TCM and with Ayurveda there is a pre-early detection from energy imbalance, right? But then if you don't detect it at that point, it will become symptomatic. You might get a cold, you might get a pain somewhere, you might, you know, something that happened to your skin. And if you still don't address it then, then it becomes chronic and then it becomes serious, right? Potentially life-threatening. So the whole concept of health and longevity, according to the kind of the Eastern tradition, which is something that I've co like really embraced and done so passionate about, is about the earliest detection of, um, of imbalances yeah and, uh, you know everything that we do at peak whether it's the you know from the tea to the breath work those two things are combined in in the whole you know in, in in its in its ability to help you develop awareness towards energy imbalances and, and health imbalances and toxicity and things like that yeah i have a, a question and it's just with regard to what you're saying most often, if you are somewhat health conscious, you will be aware when there's an imbalance. You'll be aware that there's something a little bit off. Maybe sleep is off, or like you said, you're getting a skin thing, or your digestion's off. Right. What about the people that are not in tune with their body at all, that are, you know, think about you in, in your days of being in finance where. Right. is taken up by the mind space of the task at hand. So what would you say to the people in that state that are out there living like that? I don't know that they're listening to this podcast, but maybe a friend of theirs is. Right, right. You know, the thing, and I've thought about this a lot um, recently, you know, awareness comes on so many different levels. 
And most people think about awareness as this like subconscious intangible, like spiritual thing. Actually, it has many, many physical applications, um, particularly sensory ones, right? And so, you know, developing a spiritual awareness is like kind of in my mind, like the, the, the pinnacle of like, you know, this whole practice, right? The concept of what we're trying to do. But there's so many stages before that. Like what if you developed awareness to everything that is, you know, toxic from a smell point of view, right? Like, so we have, you know, sensations, right? Smell, sight, sound, um, and taste. How many people have Christmas tree deodorizers in their car? that used Febreze in their house and have like, you know, wick plugins in their toilets. How toxic is that stuff? I mean, how, what about the fragrance that is in your laundry detergent, right? One of the most toxic things in household cleaning products, right, is the laundry detergent. So as you become more aware of what clean smells like, clean being fresh air, you become much more aware of the toxins in the environment that you live in, right? And so how do you start that? Well, you know, wake up every morning and open the window and let fresh air in. Anytime you're sitting somewhere, have there be moving natural air. Let the air be moving. You know, open a window and open a door, right? Instantly, you will develop awareness when someone uses a deodorizer somewhere or is using a, you know, a laundry detergent. You will know that something is not right, right? Same deal goes with, with um, you know, with, with food, right? Like if you buy a, you know, if you're eating Cheetos all day long, your taste is going to be so desensitized that you're not going to know the difference between, you know, a, a piece of cheese that's like completely stale and like on the borderline of rotting versus something that's made from like, you know, grass-fed cow that's like hormone-free and like not pasteurized and full of like actual real probiotics. Um, through a natural fermentation process, you just will never know the difference. You know, same deal goes with a piece of fish. If you're eating a piece of fish that's like pre-marinated in a TV dinner and like breaded and like everything, but you just stick in the oven, you're not going to know the difference between a 10-day-old piece of fish and something that's just come out of the ocean. And so that's, you know, a taste parameter. So you can develop awareness for all of these things, right, um, that are sensory related. And when you start having that level of, and a huge thing for me is actually touch, right? So the clothes that we wear, like 100% cotton, 100% wool, this is not necessarily more expensive than some like high performance, like, you know, 90% polyester thing that has like crazy amounts of synthetic dyes and high levels of toxins. Like skin is your biggest organ. I try always to wear natural fibers. It doesn't cost more um, and it's way better for you, right? So and most people don't even think about that. They're like 100% polyester all day long, all over their skin. Like, how do you know whether your skin's breathing or not if you're like wearing like a wetsuit every day, right? Versus you suddenly switch to wearing cotton and silk 100% or, you know, wool in the winters. It's like a complete, it's like, wow, like I can't believe how sweaty and suffocated my body was, right? And so on all these parameters, you start developing the awareness and then you develop, you start developing the, the awareness to, to kind of emotional toxins, right? Yeah. So toxic people that are always like in a state of rage or like always in a state of anxiety that want to unload on you. When you spend a lot of time by yourself, walking in the forest, playing with your dog, you know, hanging out with your kids, whatever, just meditating, you start to become hyper aware of people that are toxic. And then you get rid of that, right? Or you try to manage that in some way that's healthy. Um, and so that the awareness you keep building up and building up, and then you become hyper aware to how your body feels, um, you know, to how you manage stress and stressful events in your life. And then 
and you keep building that step by step. That's kind of like how I've come to understand. How does, what role does mindfulness play into your life now? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I know, I know the role it's supposed to play, right? And it's like, you know, it's meant to be in every second of, of, of the day, of every day, in every, in every activity that we do. Um, it's very far from that. Um, right now, I have to say that, you know, I mean, I meditate every single day without fail. Um, and so that for me is kind of like my, and I, maybe it's like a very kind of American Western mentality. It's like, for me, it's like, that's my going to the gym and my workout for my spirit, right? My soul and everything else that's associated with it. So I sit and I meditate in the mornings and I have to do it or I feel terrible. Um, but you know, what I would ultimately like to do is, is have that in more, in more moments of the day. So, you know, I have to say the more I meditate, the more mindful I am at other times of the day. So over the Christmas, I went to Bali for Torah a week and I literally sat in the villa, which was facing like a, a huge valley in the mountains. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't go anywhere for a week. And I sat there and meditated for three hours a day. And after I did that, I actually naturally stopped using my phone when I was with people. Right. And it wasn't like, Oh, you shouldn't use your phone. You should be present. Like I actually naturally didn't want that. And again, it goes back to the awareness is because when I had my phone and I was doing stuff and I was distracted, I actually felt like this is actually a waste of time. Like I'm having a meal with somebody. If, if it's like so boring or unpleasant that I need to use my phone, I should just not have it. I should just cancel it. Right. And so, you know, if, 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 if it's like, if it's truly something that I want to do that, that fills me, then I should be hundred percent present. So I actually stopped using my phone. Every time I sat down with somebody, I'd give them a hundred percent of my attention and it was great. And, you know, people that I spent time with that were distracted when we were together, they'd be like, Hey, let's hang out again tomorrow. Let's do something. I was like, no, like, you know, that was it. That was like, our time together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you weren't present during that interaction. Yeah, it's like you had your option. You had your opportunity. Yeah. yeah you had your opportunity. And you know, like tomorrow I'd like to do something else. That's, that's more present with, with my dog or with somebody else. Right. Or by myself. Um, but of course, like, you know, as, as you leave Bali and you, you know, you get back to work then you meditate less and, you know, it's just this thing that is like ever elusive. Um, the more you practice it, the more like your world expands and, you know, the, the converse is true also. Oh, I love that. The more that you do it, the more your world expands. I think there, that is so well said. This episode is brought to you by Go Macro. Go Macro's mission is to spread awareness for a balanced, plant-based lifestyle with products that have a positive effect on the world. Made with crunchy roasted peanuts and Go Macro's very own melt-in-your-mouth peanut butter chips, their peanut butter macro bars not only taste delicious, but they help support farm animal advocacy. Throughout the month of May, 10% of the net proceeds from Go Macro's peanut butter macro bar will be donated to Farm Sanctuary. And what better way to help support a company or a brand than to support one that is working with animals? You guys know I'm a huge animal lover and I want to do everything in my power to support companies that are doing their part to support animals in need. As one of the nation's largest animal sanctuaries, Farm Sanctuary has rescued thousands of animals and has cared for them and its sanctuaries in New York and California. Farm Sanctuary remains committed to ending cruelty to farm animals 
animals by promoting compassionate vegan living through rescue education and advocacy efforts. Join Go Macro in supporting the amazing organization by going to gomacro.com and using the promo code LOVED, that's L-O-V-E-D, for 30% off plus free shipping. So head over to gomacro.com and enter the promo code LOVED. And now back to our show. A few weeks ago, I spoke to a uh, to Krista Berlincourt, who she created uh, Ken Show Health. It's a a wellness uh, network where they connect you with wellness practitioners in your area, right. um, backed by science like Stanford, Harvard. You know that they yeah. have really great um, great data, and she's incredible. But we yeah. were talking. We were talking about this thing about how everything takes energy. Everything takes energy. So if if you are not, she said, if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a hell no. Yeah, yeah. Right? So but, I I think that that's that's along the lines of what you're saying. You know, yeah. it's like if if you're not able to be present or enjoy what you're doing at the moment, then why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting that you put it that way. And I've heard that, you know, before, but it just made me realize that it's like, you know, something I was thinking about this morning is actually about creation and disruption, right? Like surrounded around us is is the ability to to create. And, you know, if you're not creating, then it's, you know, it's, it's it's not additive to your life and hence the fuck no, right? And we have this special ability to create outcomes and create things in our lives but it requires that level of presence and intent. Yeah. I wish I could ask you questions about your practice, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Then you remember that I'm interviewing you. Yeah. (laughs) Why, why don't you start a peak tea podcast and then you can interview me on that. Uh, I will. I will do that. Um, Yeah, no, that's great. No, I, I love for me having ritual is, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, love having this podcast or why I love the practice of yoga and meditation is because I enjoy how long it takes. I like that no matter how I slice it, if I meditate for 40 minutes, I'm meditating for 40 minutes. Like there's nothing, there's no shortcut. Like I can do a quick workout. I can do, I I can have less time and, and go do a 30 minute class. Right. You know, because I maybe don't have an hour, an hour and a half to go to a 90 minute yoga class. I can do a short workout. I can't do a short meditate. I can shorten my time. But for me personally, if I don't have that 40 minutes, I just don't feel good. I right. feel like something's missing. And and I I think there's something to say about I posted this thing on Instagram a couple of weeks ago where I said, if you want it to stand the test of time, it's going to take some time. <laughs> I love that. But don't, what do you, I mean, don't, do you agree? Isn't it true that things just sometimes take a long time and, and even looping that back in with our health, like yeah. when we are unwell, we've taken a long time. We've conditioned ourselves to be unwell. Right. Right. And oh, so- I totally agree with that. I mean, that, that versus, you know, the, the, the concept of time and like, effort you know for people that are you know practitioners right like like you and i versus um somebody who who isn't 
who doesn't, you know, who's new to the practice or, or doesn't really practice is a completely like different concept, completely different. Like, the, you know, the, a lot of people want to want to be well and, and want to, you know, heal themselves. Um, and, and they, you know, we're so trained um, and programmed to, to think of quick fixes um, and instant gratification and just simply doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. And, and the funny thing is that like tying into effort, like I think time is one thing, but I think effort there is a misconception about because I think like effort, something is like, oh, it has to be hard. Like it actually doesn't have to be hard. It is actually incredibly, it can be incredibly enjoyable. And that's all about kind of like the frame of mind and, and the attitude and the perspective that you bring to something, right? Like people are like, oh my God, you meditate for like, you know, 40 minutes or an hour in the day. It's like, that's such a huge, that's such a chore. Mm. But it's not like, it's actually like the most rewarding, you know, wonderful, like kind of, you know, awesome thing, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be a chore. Same deal with like eating healthily or, or, you know, exercising or going walking and then whatnot. It's like, mm-hmm. if you think something is going to be hard, then it probably will be. Um, yeah. But time is, is unavoidable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, at exactly. can, but at least you can enjoy the time, right? I love that. No, it's true. But you're absolutely, you're so right. What has been the biggest gift you've given to yourself for your health? Um, I think it was learning um, the meditation that I do by far. I mean, I always kind of rank it as like the most important thing I've ever done. Um, you know, at, before I got married, it was like the most important thing I had done, including falling in love, right? Now, now. <laughs> now you're married, so I'm glad you're saying Yeah, that. yeah. But now we must, we must modify the narrative a bit. But, you know, I view it definitely as more important as like, you know, the, any sort of educational degree that I got or anything that I learned to do, whatever. Um, but, uh, the, the, the type of meditation that I do is Qigong meditation. Mm-hmm. So it's very physiological. It's completely based on like, you know, the circulation of Qi in the body, according to the acupuncture maps and traditional Chinese medicine. But that for me was the doorway into, into the kind of the whole practice of, um, of mindfulness. Cause I had tried a whole bunch of Buddhist meditation before that. And, um, you know, I was, whether it's too young or just not in the right time, right place, but, you know, it never, it was very difficult um, for me to, to do spiritual meditation. But the moment it became a physiological thing, um, it became something very easy for me to do because I was, you know, really into improving my health. And then that kind of opened the, 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 the doors for kind of spiritual development. Mm. Oh, I love that. I have a fun little, little story uh, of, about Qigong because... I'd love to hear it. I, um, so I, I grew up in East LA and in the complex, like neighborhood that we grew up in, um, our neighbors across the way were Chinese and there, the matriarch was the same age as my grandmother, which was our matriarch. And they would go, they would go on walks together. My grandma spoke Spanish. She spoke Chinese. They didn't understand each other. But they would go walking every day. And then she started to do uh, Qigong. And my grandma started to do it with her. And so they'd go to the park and they would go do it. with. It was the sweetest thing so ever. Amazing. Wow. So, so that to me, it's, for me, that's why I have also a, you know, a personal connection to Chinese medicine, obviously growing up in the environment that I did and yeah. around people that I did. And so... Wow. I just, I love that you said that because I'm like, oh, I love that. I haven't, I haven't seen, you know, you go to the park. Well, anyway, in LA, like growing up 
in the area where we were, you could go to any park, you know, where there was a large um, Asian or Hispanic community and you were going to see people doing Qigong early in the morning. And it was just yeah. the most beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. They communicated with energy. That's yeah. Awesome. Very cool. I think about that all the time. I think it's just the sweetest thing. I'm like, you just don't, you don't even need words to just communicate. Yeah. And they would just go and then they would just walk together. And they, there was a lot of nodding and a lot of pointing at plants. Right. You oh, know? Cool, like, yeah. A lot of pointing and, oh, it was just the smiling and being happy. Yeah. We got to do some Qigong and yoga nidra together. Oh my God. I'm so, you are like speaking my language. This is how you know you find people of your same breed when. Yeah, that's why I was so excited for this. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So let, let's get back to this. Everybody that's listening to this right now is like, okay, well now, now they're going to go do all of these fun things together. You guys can come with us. Yeah. It's for everyone. I'll provide tea. Right? Just... Just for um, part of one thing that I wanted to ask you with relating to the, the peak tea, I love that it's the crystals. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell me why you decided to do that and what what is the sort of idea behind it? Is it just so that it's more water soluble? Because this to me is incredibly convenient when I'm traveling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's, I mean, one of the key innovations that we made, um, you know, our teas are all in kind of a crystalline format, for those who don't know. I, it, during my exploration of all these different healers and, 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 and uh, you know, kind of health plant experts, I went on a trip to Yunnan province, which is in the western part of China, is in, in the foothills of the Himalayas, so it's right next to Tibet. It's actually also the center of the biggest biodiversity of, uh, of, of mushrooms in the world. There's like a ton of different medicinal plants and stuff. But tea was first discovered there. So tea actually originates from this region. In fact, the oldest tea tree is 3,200 years old. Um, anyone, it's still there. Anyone that buys a packet of tea, yeah, will get a thank you email from me with a, with a photo with this tree. Um, and it's just, it's remarkable. And so the natives there have, as you can imagine, like their lives are intertwined with this plant that have, you know, that has now become the second most ranked beverage in the world, right? And so they, they tend to them, they harvest them, they have this whole relationship with them. And one of the things that they do, because it's such a mountainous region, it's very difficult to get from one place to the next, historically, right? You have to walk for days to like pass a message to the next village. Um, and so they came up with this way of extracting all of the benefits of the tea from that region into a paste. And it was very primitive. They did this just by taking a big, you know, a big iron pot. They put all the leaves in there and they just boil it, you know, for hours. Everything is extracted and then they throw out the leaves and they just keep boiling it till like everything's condensed into a resin. And that was the tea paste. And they would, you know, on their hikes out, they just eat it or they put it in a bottle and dissolve it. When I came across that, I was like, wow, that's actually really ingenious. Like, you know, a lot of people, especially with tea from that region, it's, it's very cumbersome to brew. Um, a lot of very expensive teas are also very difficult to brew. Multiple infusions, different brew times, different temperatures, you need a whole bunch of utensils. Um, and I thought that, you know, this is something that everyone could really benefit from and, and you know, access the benefits of tea with. And so we, we innovated on that process. We removed all of the hot temperature extractions. Everything is done at a low temperature. Um, 
and we were able to reproduce like a exceptionally high um, quality product that that approximated the taste. In fact, like basically reproduced, replicated the taste of loose leaf tea brewing. Now that's important on a couple levels. One, it, it tastes it tastes great, obviously. So we won like three gold medals at the Global Tea Championship for our teas. It's the only competition we ever you know enrolled in. We submitted three teas. We got three gold medals. That was uh, in 2018. Um, and so what that also signifies is that all of the active ingredients in the tea, that's what you taste, right? So caffeine tastes a certain way. Catechins, polyphenol, antioxidants, they all taste a certain way. Like they're actually tannic, scratchy in the mouth, like wine, right? Tannins. Caffeine is bitter. L-theanine also has a taste. Well, what it means is, is you can get an amazing tasting tea that tastes like a very high-end whole leaf tea, which is what we use, that means you've also gotten all of those active ingredients out of it, right? And so through lab testing, we've been able to certify that the teas are actually extremely concentrated in active ingredients because of the heat removal. And so with, with peak tea crystals, not only are you getting something that is actually more concentrated, we're also able to screen for triple three toxins, right? So heavy metals, pesticides, and toxic mold. Those are the three things we screen for. And it's much easier to do that in the crystal format than it is with leaves, as you can imagine. Um, and then finally, it's just like, as you say, the accessibility of it, right? Like you can have it anywhere, cold, hot water. You can have it any, at any point. You can have no utensils. All you need is a vessel and water, right? Um, and so providing that level of access and the bioavailability and the absorption benefits is kind of like for us is, you know, that's what Peak represents. That to me, I mean, you really are speaking my language and everybody that's listening to this podcast know how much I love tea. I'm, I don't drink coffee. I'm just strictly a tea person. And it's right. because growing up, my grandmother just made teas like that. We always had tea tinctures for anything and everything. And I just have wow. never been a tea person. I love matcha. I mean, that's my thing. And your matcha is what got me addicted to peak in the first place. Nice. But I was like, what? Because it's this, the ceremonial matcha. It, I like the whole um, experience, right? I make my own cashew milk. I like the process, but the ceremonial tea, it's so good and it tastes just, I mean, it's, it's delicious. It's so good. So glad to hear that. That's so, that's so great. So that's an, we scheme for additional thing in our matcha, which is radioactive isotopes. Because it's a Japanese, uh, you know, product. There's a, you know, obviously the Fukushima thing is still right. still an ongoing, you know, issue to resolve. Right. Um, it's also from a very special part of Japan. It's all the way from the southernmost point of the Japanese island chain, which is next to Okinawa. So it's far as you can get possibly from any sort of industrial activity, and it's next to Japan's first national park, our tea farm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. The story is amazing. Okinawa is also home to the, the very well-known group of centenarians, so people that are over 100 years old. It's next to that. Um, how, how, of, how often do you go out there? And we're, we've, so far, we've actually gone once a year, so we're going again in June. Cool. Yeah. If you need any volunteers, let me know because... Yeah, you should to totally come. It would be so cool. It's really cool. I mean, like all the food, everything, like there are tons and tons of like health products and medicinal plants that people use. I mean, it's just like you just walk into breakfast at the hotel and it's just like fermented food section, like all vegetable section. Like it's crazy. I mean, it's just like the, the, the whole dietary thing is... is uh, 
and it's been like that forever. It's not, yeah. It's not oh. like a wellness trend. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so just for the, um, I want to be respectful of your time because I can obviously talk to you forever, and I hope that we I'm continue. So happy to do so, yeah. Yeah. Um, the people, for the people that are listening to this podcast or they're watching the video on YouTube, they're interested in Peak Tea. Where can they go for more information? Yeah, so peaktea.com is definitely the best place to get it, um, without a doubt. Uh, that's where we have the most complete collection of all the products. We're in stores, we're in Whole Foods and um, in, a, in a bunch of other stores, depending on where your audience is. But we're in generally high-end supermarkets um, as well as on, on our own website. But it's on our own website that you'll find the whole collection of teas. Cool. Um, well, before I let you go, I have one final question. And I ask all of my guests this, and it's pertaining to why I created the podcast in the first place. It's the idea that we are all radically loved and radically supported by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your understanding. And it's the belief that the universe works for us and not against us. And so final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? Wow, you know, that's such a great question. I, I literally, so there's a bunch of trees, pine trees that grow outside, um, in my home and every morning I actually get up. Sometimes I don't make it up because it's too cold. It's too cold. But every morning that I go out there, um, I feel so much appreciation and gratitude. Sometimes I'm actually like in tears uh, because all of the moments that I've had in the quietude, in the practice is moments when I've been basically like, you know, I call it like, you know, it's like an iOS upgrade. Like I just get downloaded stuff. Like there's a cable connected to my head and like to the universe. Right. And that's where I've been getting the inspiration for everything that I've done that has fulfilled me, right? So from starting Pete to launching products to like different ideas that we're doing for marketing to like things I need to say to people on my team to, you know, things that I need to do at home. It's just like everything has come from that single source of inspiration that is from, you know, the source, God, the universe, whatever you call it. And, you know, the tree's obviously part of that, that whole construct. And so I go out there and I just, um, I just thank them. Um, and it's, it's just such a, it's such an emotional moment for me because they're so, you know, trees, I love trees because they're the most non-judgmental things ever. Um, we have done horrible things to the trees um, and we continue to do so. And, uh, you know, I had a moment with some trees in Big Sur where I was like, you know, like I've always been obsessed with trees. And I was talking to the tree and I said, you know, show me, you know, show me what I haven't seen. And it, it, it's like, it was just like this moment where it was like just the pain and the sadness of like, you know, Amazonian forest burning. It was just like terrible, the destruction, right? And I was like, wow. I was like, just, you know, I was just sitting there lying under the sun, right? And I was like, hey, you know, like, show me, right? And, and it's like suddenly I felt this emotion. And then in the next instant, it was like gone. And it was this tree that was like shading me, swaying in the wind, so happy, so energetic, so positive. And I was like, wow, like if there are things that like don't judge you at all, it's like the same reason people love dogs. It's like, they just, it just, it does, it passes no judgment on the things that we do. Of course, your dog might get upset with you, but trees truly, they just give, right? Unconditionally. Oh, that be <laughs> one of the best answers I've heard. So thank you for that. Thank That's you. Thank you, Rosie. It's so beautiful. 
Um, I just want to take a moment to thank you, Simon, for sharing your extremely um, intense health journey and for creating something beautiful out of the obstacles that you had to overcome with your health. So many of us are benefiting from what you've created and I'm just, I'm really grateful for people like you that are just so open and willing and creating products that are actually helping us just feel better and be better and I just love your passion and your authenticity and your ability to just be completely honest and just for being here and part of our Radically Loved community. Thank you so much. It's, it's honestly a huge honor for me to be part of this community. I'm a new new participant, obviously, but it's been a, it's been really, really special and cozy. Thank you for, for, you know, thank you for the gratitude that you're expressing. And it's really, it's, it's been a great opportunity I'm so glad I'm getting to connect with your with your with your audience. I'm sure they're all very special. Oh, by just by my sense of you, I know that your audience is very very special. <laughs> oh, they are. Everybody listening to our listeners are like the most incredibly loving community ever, and they've been with me for a long time. <laughs> so, so they know. So they know when we find somebody that's part of our tribe. So thank you again so much. So cool. Thanks for welcoming me. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.